Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this guy back. He's the former White House press secretary. He's a great host of Spicer and Company over on Newsmax and the author of a new children's book called The Parrots Go Bananas. It's Sean's, uh, Sean Spicer. Sean, how are you? Good to see you, man. I'm great, thank you. It's it's uh, it's fun. I think finally Democrats can read a book that I wrote <laughs> and understand it. It's got a lot of great illustrations, uh, and it's about fake news. So it's meant for kids, but I think for a lot of folks in the media um, and a lot of uh, adult folks on the left, they can uh, they can finally read a book and get something out of it. Uh, before I forget, it's available at SpicerBook.com. Great. Uh, so just, I, I always got to remember to say that spice go there, get this, uh, this new book. We'll talk about more about what it's about. And yeah. I'm sure that it wasn't truly written for Democrats, but I'm glad that it's a, of a, of a style that they can read. Um, let's talk about uh, the, the press secretary job. I, I've talked to you about this a lot of times. Uh, don't get mad at me, but I'm just going to be honest. When I watched you as the press secretary, you actually looked like you took the job seriously. And Sean, I don't think that, I don't think you needed to. I think that you could have gone out there and said anything you felt like it, but when people asked you questions, you appeared to want to give a real answer, and you got frustrated when they weren't accepting the real answer you were giving. This press secretary under this administration, and even Saki before her, they don't seem to think they have to answer questions. What's the deal with how the job has changed since you had the job? Well, it's a great question. I mean, I think, number one, once we came into office uh, to to support and amplify the policies and decisions of President Trump, the the press took on a very different and adversarial role. Um, and so I went into that briefing room every day, and there were basically an attempt to take me down, to embarrass me, embarrass the president. Um, and it wasn't, as you point out, an attempt to actually get information, which is what the briefing was always supposed to be about, to further a story or or gather additional facts. Uh, it was it was about a show, and they were supporting actors and actresses in that show. Yes, they wanted to become famous. And this particular case under Biden, whether it was Saki or now much more so, uh, with respect to Corinne Jump here, uh, they they have changed their role from being supporting actors to uh, almost like supporting producers. Yes, because they want to make sure that the narrative of, of this president comes out as being one that is successful and on the right side of, of issues. So they are now, you know, to your point, they'll ask her a question. There's no follow-up. There's no sense of, you know, trying to actually get to the bottom of, uh, of an issue. And it's, it's kind of pathetic, to be honest with you, the way they let her get away with word salads that only Kamala Harris could outdo. Now, I, I couldn't agree more, but she's also very good at referring you to somebody else. I refer you to the, to the DOJ. I'm going to refer you to the White House Counsel. Well, the White, the White House Counsel said this. You're the representative of the White House. What does the president think about what the White House Counsel said? I would refer you to the White House Counsel. Hunter Biden's a private citizen. We can't talk about that. I mean, Sean, you literally, I saw you get frustrated when I knew that you were giving a solid, direct answer, and you knew that Jim Acosta was asking another question because he's going to write a book. I mean, that's really what was going on. And by the way, I don't mind them being adversarial with you. They should be. I was a journalist. You, you, you do journalism now and what you do now. Um, it's okay to question government. It's okay to be skeptical about the answers. But it's not okay to change how you do it when a new administration comes in. And like you said, they're showing to be supporting actors. They're supporting cast members in the audience. They don't try. They don't push at all. No, that's absolutely right. I mean, look, the bottom line is you can tell by what they ask and what they don't ask. I'll tell you another example. The other day, the president sitting there meeting with President Duda uh, of Poland, and he tells this story for no reason to kick off their meeting. He says, well, he's telling this story about Pope John Paul, and he says, you know, I met with Pope John Paul, 
and uh, I was on the Foreign Relations Committee, and I wrote this paper, and I was 32 years younger than the next person on the Foreign Relations Committee. Now, immediately, there was just something that jumped out at me, and I said, that just can't be true. Biden got elected to the Senate at um, 30. He actually got elected at 29. He got sworn in at 30. And I was like, okay, even if it happened that day, take 32 years, that would mean the next senator would be 62 years old. Okay, that sounds odd. So I went back, my team and I here on the show, and we realized that when he made his first visit, that's what he was referring to, to the Vatican, he was actually 37 years old. So take 32, add it to 37. That means that the next closest senator would have been 39. Gosh, I so we literally just started looking back at the 100 and, I mean, at the um, the, the Congress that year, and we realized that just the first handful of folks that we came across were 48, 51, 57. I mean, like, it wasn't even close. <laughs> we found five right off the bat. And yet nobody said, hey, this this is, doesn't make sense. This is a lie. This is misinformation. Right. It was not true. And over and over again, uh, you find these instances where he just says stuff. And it's not true. He talks about, you know, he took he met this Amtrak guy who had actually retired. He had this job. He went to this college, all false. And nobody says that's not true. And if you can get away with it, and this is to back, you know, this is where I want to get back to your question. If you're current jump here and you know that you can basically say anything and they won't question you or follow up, then why wouldn't you just be like, nope, yes, nope, yes, green, blue, 16, 54, you know, it's like a football sequence hype. Right. Um, because you don't, there's no accountability. I mean, like, I literally, I question actually a whole bunch of the other parts of his story, because it seemed odd. He was talking about the fact that, like, he wrote this paper on the Foreign Relations Committee, and the next thing you know, John Paul II calls him. And I'm like, Okay, this is back in the 19th. I mean, it just does. Like, does that pass the smell test to you in no. 1980? John Paul II is like, who is this senator from Delaware? Uh, he wrote a paper about Poland. We should call him, invite him to the Vatican. I mean, there's no internet then. Who's how? Right. Is it, but but take that aside. The math part on the age and the thing just it was a fabricated lie. And it here's was. my kicker, Joe. None of it had to happen. He could have just said, when I was a young senator, I wrote this paper and then I went da da da. But he had to make up a lie. Yeah, but Sean, I mean, listen, this could all be after he got three degrees, really one, and he graduated in the top of his class. He was almost last in the class. This might have been when he was arrested with Mandela in South Africa. That could, maybe that was what, that's the thing. You know, yeah, he's older now and he's lost a a lot off the fastball, but he's been a liar as long as we've known him, hasn't he? I mean, and and again, he's got, he's got a representative that nobody's going to question about it. It's crazy. That that first, that first, that first run for president, he was caught plagiarizing. I was telling somebody the other day, they said, why do you think he gets away with it? And I said, you know, back in the day when I was on, worked on Capitol Hill, Strom Thurmond was an older member of Congress at the time. And he used to say stuff like sweetheart and honey and sugar and, and, all of the folks thought it was kind of cute and funny because it was strong and he was older and it was like, oh, he's a sweet old man. And right. you know, so therefore it wasn't in a lot of people's minds and I'm not justifying it by any means. But I was always thought it was interesting that like nobody ever said, hey, that's inappropriate. I'm, I shouldn't say that. I'm sure somebody did. But yeah. for the most part, the prevailing attitude was, OK, he's a sweet old man. It's harmless. It's almost the same thing with Biden where he gets to get away with saying things because people are like, oh, it's Joe. But why is Trump the big liar, and yet Biden is a guy who it's just it's just it's Joe being Joe. Exactly a lie right. is a lie, isn't it? 
It is. Uh, go to SpicerBook.com. The book is called The Parrots Go Bananas. Watch Spicer and Company every day. It's Sean Spicer. Sean, when you were the press secretary, and you and I have talked about this before, so I think I remember this correctly, you actually spoke with the president. He actually said, this is the message I want you to put out. This is where we stand administratively uh, in, the, in the Trump administration. Make sure you get this right. And then you went out and you did that. Yep. I get the feeling that Saki nor KJP has ever even talked to Joe Biden. Am I wrong about that? No, I actually, I think you put your finger on something really interesting. Um, I, I would talk to the president on average probably 10 to 15 times a day, sometimes a lot more. And he was very concerned, as you know, still is, about his image and the words that are being used to convey his policies and thoughts. Right. I, I have, uh, am 100% convinced, as you just conveyed, that, that the folks that are out there, whether it was Saki or, or now KJP, don't communicate with him in any way that they are talking to previously Ron Klain, probably now uh, Jeff Zients. Um, but but you had this group around him, Donilon, Bruce Reed, to some extent, Anita Dunn, Steve Rochetti, who are keep him in a bubble. They come out of the, the conclave, if you will, and tell everyone what he thinks, whether they've decided that for themselves or whether or not um, whether or not that is uh you know, his thoughts. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that the press secretary is talking to other staffers about what the president believes. She's actually not speaking to him. I always thought when the, and this is back in the days of Jen Psaki, I always thought when I was talking to reporters, I'd say, do me one favor, just ask her a simple question. When was the last time you spoke to the president? And I because I know that uh, you know, I could answer that question fairly easily when I was with President Trump. In fact, most people would ask me, did you speak to the president about this? When was the last time you asked him about I remember, X? And yeah. I come to say, well, I just spoke to him prior to this briefing, and he said to tell you X. Um, with Saki and KJP, as you pointed out, I don't think they have access. Now, they might see him here and there or get brought in on a broader meeting, but from what I understand, they keep that bubble very, very tight. But why won't anybody ask the question that you just suggested? Because, it's an easy question. Because, because here's the problem, Joe. It, 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 it's, it's almost like uh, pulling up the curtain on Oz. Yes. The second that the press folks sort of have to tell people that the person that they're sitting there, you know, having a battle of wits with doesn't actually have any information, then it undermines the entire point of them being there. They want to sit in those briefings and gain fame. They want to be seen having that interaction with KJP right. or Saki or back in the day. They got used to it under Trump where they became internet famous. They became YouTube famous. If they suddenly tell everybody the truth, which is, hey, guess what? Joe Biden's actually, this is just KJP making this up. She actually doesn't talk to him. She doesn't really know what he's saying. Well, then there's no point in having a briefing if you're not briefing people on what the president's thoughts are because you've never spoken to him. And they know that. They yeah. know that the joke is up the second that they reveal it. It's such a great point. It's uh, Sean Spicer. Go to SpicerBook.com. Get this book. It's called The Parrots Go Bananas. It's a children's book. We'll get into it in, in earnest in a second. Uh, just a couple of last uh, quick questions on this. I feel like KJP's running interference. I never felt like you nor Sarah Sanders were or Kaylee McEnany. I never thought you guys were running interference. You really wanted to answer the questions, and I really appreciate that you did that. I hate the way that it looks right now. Let's talk about East Palestine. When you've got a, a disaster like this, almost immediately they figured out how to blame Trump. It was the strangest thing, something about pneumonic breaks or something. We even have somebody at the NTSB today, Sean, who tweeted out a big, long thing who says it had nothing to do with the breaks. It wasn't about the, the pneumonic what? breaks. Please, please stop saying that. Look, but but Pete Buttigieg keeps saying that it is, and Biden keeps saying that it is. What, what do you make of that? I mean, they immediately tried to get away from responsibility instead of showing up and helping people. What, what year is this? 
right? It, it's 2023. Right. The election happened to you. Even if even like just just for a second, say that that Trump did all, you know all these nefarious things. Where they've had two years and two months. Yes. What, what I'm sorry. So they couldn't do anything in two years and two months. Even if it's all Trump's fault, this the election wasn't yesterday. The inauguration wasn't yesterday. Right. At what point are they responsible? It's funny. The the second a kernel of good economic news comes out, it's all of their. They take full credit for everything. But anything bad goes. The rain comes in and ruins a picnic, and it's Trump's fault. Well, he can't control. He can't control the rain. That's true. You had no, such a great point. The first day, Sean, you and I both watched. All of your audience on Spicer and Company watched on Newsmax as as President Biden signed forty one executive orders, like day one, undoing all of these Trump policies. Why couldn't he sign an executive order to put mnemonic brakes on everything? You're right. If Pete Buttigieg, who who didn't know the t- the, the transportation guy, because he's got a lot of personal time that he takes, had he known about this for two years, he would have fixed it. That's a great point. Right. But again, it's not even six months. It's not eight months. It's not two months. They've been in office two years and two months. Yeah. What, what, what if they, I don't understand, at what point are they responsible for anything? They take credit for everything else. So if this is Trump's fault, then Trump gets credit for everything else that's going on. They can't pick and choose what that's they take credit point. for and what he's <laughs> to blame for. That's the irony of this whole thing. But again, remember, the bottom line is that that, that this is they, they are playing um, with a press corps that is receptive to the argument that it's Trump's fault. They're compliant is what they are. Right. They, they're on the same team. They're basically arms of the government. Sean Spicer, go to SpicerBook.com. Uh, one last thing on East Palestine that I want to get into the book. Um, Trump shows up, flies right. in on Trump Force One, bunch of water. It's Trump water. Come on, we know the guy. It's going to be Trump water, of course. He's, he's got Trump water. He's got Trump uh, paper towels, Trump food. I don't care. The people there need it. And then he had trucks and trucks of more water and supplies coming in. Buttigieg's response is, please don't go there for a photo op. Help me figure out why we didn't fix the brakes on the trains. Sean, my face hurts just from seeing this. This guy can sit in his mansion that you and I have both been to in Mar-a-Lago, and, and he could not do anything and just enjoy his billions. Instead, he jumps on a plane and goes to East Palestine, Ohio, that nobody had ever heard of before this thing happened, and he, and he puts out of his – he bought everybody McDonald's. Ah, oh, a, a photo op at a restaurant I'm hearing from KJP and others. Just try to make me understand why they didn't just embrace it and say, listen, I'm glad he went. All, all the help we can get is great. Exactly. Why? If I were politically speaking, great. Thank you for your help, Mr. President. The reason is pretty simple, because if they had gone and done their job and then he went, that would have been a brilliant strategy. But part of the problem was that Trump was contrasting his response as a non-president and a non-elected official with their failed response uh, as the current administration. The idea that Pete Buttigieg didn't make it out there till 20 days afterwards. Yeah. And, and, and shows up, I almost tweeted out, hey, if you want some water, I think Trump left some. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, um, he had plenty of time to go for a walk. He had all this time. And he said, you know, I, it's just, look, the bottom line is, is that politics is, is perception. And the perception is, and they were, by the way, the first people to take shots at Trump about where he went, where he didn't go, blah, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. <clears throat> President Biden, by the way, has now spent more time talking to President Zelensky than he has talking to Governor DeWine of Ohio. Isn't that something? Right. Here's my other question for you, Joe. Remember all these people about climate change and uh, and carbon footprints? Here is a massive derailment of chemicals that is going into the oil, the water, and the soil. No question, right? We all know that that's true. Yes. And 
all of the environmentalists that care about carbon footprints and stuff are nowhere to be found when you have a real issue with the environment. But they're the first ones to talk to you about, you know, their carbon footprint offsets in five windmills. Yeah, I, I tweeted out. I tweeted out two weeks ago. Uh, when is Greta Thunberg coming to East Palestine? It's not going to happen. And you're right; they don't really care because it's 70 percent Trump voters, generally speaking, blue collar white Americans. So they they don't fit the intersectional, you know, intersectionality that this administration needs. As KJP continues to talk about how great it is that we've got the most diverse administration ever because equity, uh, which doesn't make any sense. Sean, I can talk to you for two hours. Let's get into uh, the periscope bananas. You you already said what it was um, a little while. Go ahead. Go ahead. Real quick, I just want to show your audiences. This is uh, President Trump. I got a tweet on the way or a text on the way home. They said, hey, we're watching Spicer and Company on Trump Force One as we leave East <laughs> Palestine. So it was kind of cool. Like he goes and does this event. I'm on the air and on, on Newsmax and I get this text and they say, hey, we're watching you from the plane. And I, was like, I love it. Wow. I love uh, it. Th- that was a pretty cool moment. No, it's- very, 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 very cool. Um, uh, go to spicerbook.com. Sean, I literally have like 20 seconds. Tell, me, tell me why we have to go and get All it. Right. So look, I wrote this book called The Parrots Go Bananas. It's a story about fake news and fake narratives. It teaches kids. If it, It's for f- kids 4 to 12. Parents can go, and, and if your kids are young enough, you read it to them. If they're like my kids, they're 9, 10, 11, 12, they can read it themselves. It's a fun Really well-illustrated book. I mean, the illustrations are killer in this thing. Love it. Uh, But it talks about what it's like to be accused of something wrongly and how these kids overcome that adversity. And it's not just being accused of it. It's watching kids who who piled on and said, hey, before you do that, before you join in in that group thought, maybe you stop and think, do we have this right? Do we have the facts before we accuse good people? And it all turns out all right in the end. But it's a great story about doing the right thing and not getting wrapped up in false narratives and fake news. I love it. Thanks for coming on. Spicerbook.com. Get that book there. Watch Spicer and Company every night like I do on Newsmax. Sean, come back again soon. Always. Thanks, Joe Pax. Hi, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. Always great to have Sean Spicer on SpicerBook.com, SpicerBook.com, and make sure you check out Spicer and Company every Monday through Friday on Newsmax TV. Back after this. Joe Pags.